0: Hello, everyone, welcome back to Chibi and Chill, the anime podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. If it's your first time checking out the podcast, hello, welcome to the show. I'm Ryan, I'm a massive, weeb, otaku, anime nerd, whatever you want to kind of call me. I'm that, I guess. But this show is all about anime and manga and talking about your favorite series, in depth looks at characters, the history of anime, the history of manga and the industry as a whole. If you're into anything like that, then this is a podcast for you. In last week's episode, it was all about summer July 2023 and the anime lineup and the anime I will be watching during this month and during the summer season of anime, or I guess the back end of summer season for anime. And that episode breaks down the shows I'm most looking forward to and it's full of fresh new anime that you should be watching as well. And you can find the episode where you found this one, and a few things before we dive into today's Choco Block episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, why not check out the Apple Exclusive weekly anime and manga news podcast series I do as well. It's called Chippy Piece Exclusive and new episodes released every Sunday and I discuss the top five news stories for anime and manga for the past week, the past seven days, and some mini highlights and also a weekly anime recommendation that you should check out. Remember to leave a rating and a review for the show and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. So without further ado, let's dive into today's topic which is all about One Piece, Water 7 and Ennis Lobby. Both those arcs, let's dive into it, there's so much to unpack. So this episode is all about One Piece and specifically the One Piece, Water 7 and Ennis Lobby arcs. And why these seasons are considered one of the best or two of the best seasons in the whole of One Piece to date. And I'll share some of the trivia and foreshadowing that happens within those seasons. This is a little bit of a spoiler warning. There are some spoilers within this episode so if you're not quite caught up, if you're like me and you started One Piece a couple of months ago, way back at the beginning of the story, and you may be just at the middle of Water 7, or you're just starting out, maybe bookmark this episode, or skip to the end for the trivia, that kind of stuff. Skip forward, do what you need to do, don't spoil it for yourself, but remember to come back to this episode when you have finished for all of the foreshadowing and trivia. So I've just finished these arcs of Water 7 and Ennis Lobby, and I absolutely had to do an episode on them and it's one of the most packed and emotional arcs or they are some of the most packed and emotional arcs within One Piece in particular Ennis Lobby and we get to see so much development, growth, so much happens in this one season that really kind of pivots the story for One Piece on how the Straw Hats are viewed, their place in the world, and how their story kind of develops on from Ennis Lobby and Water 7. Water 7 is known as one of the best story arcs in the whole of One Piece, and it's in the top three. It consists of only 35 episodes. It's one of the shorter ones we have at at this kind of time when you're going through One Piece, and it carries directly into Season 9, Ennis Lobby. And the first big conflicts within the Straw Hats happens within this Water 7 arc. And it's that kind of emotional energy that carries in from Water 7 that carries all the way through into Season 9 and its lobby. But Water 7 is the capital of water and it's known for shipwrights. So the Straw Hat Pirates, Luffy and his crew, stopped here to trade their gold for Berry, as well as going to get the Going Merry repaired. And also find a new shipwright for their crew. So they had a few tasks that kind of needed doing. And it turned out into being something so much more for the crew and for the whole story. And the Straw Hats returned to Water 7 after their experience in Ennis Lobby. I think after watching both Water 7 and Ennis Lobby, I think Water 7 acts as that kind of starter For the main course that is Ennis Lobby. Water 7 really helps to set the tone. Set the characters. Set the energy for the. Set the pacing for Ennis Lobby. So Ennis Lobby is season 9 of the anime. And this is where we see the most action and emotion. And I think potentially the most. That we've seen up to this time in the anime. And there's so much happens. There's 73 episodes. And when watching this season. It feels like water 7 gets merged into it and it becomes one giant season instead of two separate ones it feels like the two the two are so intricately entwined and so inseparable that it's really hard to separate these two arcs so these arcs again like i mentioned aren't considered to be in the top three arcs with one piece within one piece and the others being Marinford and wano so ennis Lobby is known in the world of One Piece as Judicial Island, and the crew's actions at Ennis Lobby really establish them as a threat to the world government at this stage and set the stage for many challenges and adventures as they go forward. And the Straw Hats at this point, specifically Soga King, which is actually Usopp, sets the world government flag on fire, declaring war with the world government. So there's that's one of the most... That's one of the biggest things you could do in the One Piece world, I guess. You know, that is insane that that happened and it really, really sets the stage and gets them known worldwide for what they've just what they've just done at Ennis Lobby and at Water 7. When I kind of started to look into Water 7 and Ennis Lobby on Google, on the internet, that kind of thing, there are so many questions about whether you should skip Water 7 and Ennis Lobby. There's I feel like because One Piece is so long. There's always that question of what arts can people skip to catch up quickly? How can they skip parts of the story? And these two seasons, Water 7 and Ennis Lobby, are, I'd say, crucial at this point to the One Piece story because there's so much change and development, and we'll go through that in a second, but there's so much that happens within the season that kind of makes you think, I don't know if this is just filler to fill time, but there's so much emotional remembrance and kind of, flashbacks that you think at the minute, at the moment they're in, sometimes can feel like episode filler to fill the episode time, quote, or out. However, when you look at the story as a whole, we've come so far in One Piece up until Water 7 that, and Dennis Lobby that it's important to kind of remember where each of the Straw Hats have come from, their backgrounds, and we learn so much about them, and specifically Frankie and Robin, which we'll get into but there's so these are so pivotal moments they're so important to the story of one piece that i find it interesting that people want to skip this arc these arcs as a whole and these seasons are ones that allow viewers to remember other characters from other arcs that we've seen in other seasons in one piece up until this point so we see dials and the various abilities that they kind of saw in Sky Pier. And we see that with the new gear that Nami and Usopp were showing in this episode's kind of use, And we see how they've been able to take that technology and use it on their kind of attack basis. We see the giants from Elbath and we see how the Elbath storyline connects to Water 7. We see Kobe from Season 1 way back in the very first two episodes. We see him and how he's developed and grown and we see Fishman but we don't see... The kind of Arlong Park type fisherman, we see a fisherman that's the first kind-natured fisherman that we've ever seen. So we kind of get a slightly different view about how fishmen are. We've learnt that they're quite nasty in the first couple of se- the first season. I think we see Arlong Park, but we actually see a much more kind-natured, dedicated person that does anything for his family and his friends. We learn more about Luffy's family and we see the granddad who is actually an admiral admiral in the Marines, Garp. We see Luffy's dad, we learn a little bit about Luffy's dad, who is Monkey D. Dragon, the leader of the Revolutionary Army. And I think this is the first time we've heard this about this army as well, which kind of foreshadows much more about Luffy and his family as a whole and the story that's about to unfold. So skipping this arc alone means that you kind of You're at risk, I'd say, of forgetting these different areas of where the One Piece Straw Hats have gone and who they've met, who who they've experienced, I guess, what they've experienced, and the areas of the world that they've already explored. And there are actually quite a few of them up until this point. It's easy to kind of feel like they've not been to too many places, but actually they've been so far and wide so far and we're only in episode well season nine of the whole of one piece which at this point stands at season 20. So let's go through some of the character developments because I think in this season I think we see so much character development not only between their abilities but also their bond with each other that's one of the biggest points of this story is that development of everyone's characters. So we learn a lot about Robin and her absolutely tragic backstory and how that common theme of the buster call and knowledge really flows through the entire story. And that kind of deepens her bond between all members of the crew because of how they acted and dedicated themselves no matter what what happened, no matter what happened, no matter who they had to fight to protect Robin and get Robin back from the world government, and thanks to the crew's sheer determination to free Robin, this enabled the entire crew to grow not only in strength, but emotionally as well, and their bonds with each other just grew stronger and stronger and learned new skills along the way. With exception of Robin, each other's straw hats developed or revealed a new special ability in this arc, making an exponential increase in power and fighting strength between each of them. So Luffy introduces gear 2 and gear 3, and this is the first time we see Luffy actually, or we see him expose these kind of new abilities, and we don't really know how long he's been known he can do this, which is kind of interesting. Zoro reveals or develops Nine Sword style, which is more the kind of demon side of Zoro. Sanjay and this Jambe, which is the kind of like foot fire kick stuff, and Chopper utilizes Monster Point for the first time while showing other effects from excessive Rumble Ball consumption. And we kind of we've kind of seen the battle between Rumble Balls earlier. We kind of Chopper mentioned them or referenced them earlier on in the series as but this is the first time we've seen Monster Point. Nome displays Usopp's latest creation, which is the Perfect Climate Act, which uses the dials from Sky Pier. And Soga King demonstrates his new slingshot, the Kabuto. And the remainder of Frankie's cyber tactics are revealed, especially, and comically, his dependency on Coca-Cola. And I absolutely loved the moment where the type of drink changes how Frankie reacts and looks. That is, I absolutely loved that section. That was so, so fun. And Robin's past, which she foreshadowed way back in Alabaster and that kind of art where she was working with Crocodile, we kind of see that finally revealed as well as more of the Void Century and at the same time the history of the world government. And I found that really interesting. The void century and her ambition to fill that information in and how the entire country that she was from, that I can't remember the name of right now, how their scholars were dedicated to filling in this information that the government did not want shared. And we can't talk about Ennis Lobby and Water 7 without talking about the Going Merry. And it's at the latter end of the climax of Ennis Lobby that we see the development of the Going Merry and particularly its spirit with the rest of the crew, finally hearing the ship's voice during the battle with the Marines and the World Government. And I have to say, I have to say, I think this may be the first time I've potentially cried at an anime I, have to, I think it must be the first time, because I can't remember a second time, and if it was that emotionally scarring, I think I would remember it. But, wow, that absolutely, that got me that I was gone. But the Going Merry plays a central role in the entire plotline, even though the ship isn't in a lot of the scenes, especially for Ennis Lobby it's not, but it it's the catalyst for the crew visiting Water 7 in the first place to get her fixed. The results creating the internal conflict with Luffy and Usopp. The discussion about all that was about The Going Merry. And The Going Merry was also the catalyst for the relationship building between Frankie and Usopp before Ennis Lobby. And it's, it's so important that we kind of see that early, early development that actually started off with conflict. Ended up being one of the strongest ones in the series. But then there's also that moment of the spirit of The Going Merry then saving the Straw Hats from what I thought would be an absolutely inescapable moment and what felt like that at the time. And the same spirit that we saw way back in Skype where Usopp saw the spirit kind of speak to him and fix him the going merry in the first place. We finally see that that spirit speak to the rest of the crew and allow the rest of them to kind of find the experience the, the little spirit that the Going Merry had and, oh, that was that was honestly one of the most emotional moments I've ever had in within an anime. But then because of the kind of shipwright boat kind of theme of the entire season, this is when we see just how vital Frankie is to the Straw Hat crew, not only with his fighting abilities, and then we saw how he fought for Robin, even though they've only really just met not too long ago, and how he also builds the new ship, the Thousand Sunny which uh, is just incredible when you see it revealed for the first time in the latter end of the season. But I think Water 7 and Ennis Lobby are two arcs where I think Oda truly showed his skill at deep world building and with the complex city of Water 7 and the environmental kind of events that occur there that shape the country itself and seemingly simple Ennis Lobby but stunning area with the waterfall and we see so many areas of Water 7 and thanks to the anime at this point now being in sixteen point nine ratio, it felt like you could really immerse yourself in the world of One Piece and the home of the shipwrights that and the events that eventually unfold. And Oda is known for creating these worlds that are immersive and known for so much foreshadowing in One Piece, and which is why people say you can't skip the filler, you can't skip any season because you never know when characters will return, what powers will return, and how th- events will unfold following on from seasons years ago through some of the foreshadowing from Ennis Lobby and Water 7. So before arriving at Water 7, Luffy draws a picture of his future shipwright and his ideal one and what he looks like and it happens to look a lot like Frankie. Ennis Lobby is mentioned in passing before it becomes the focus of this arc. When talking about the Frankie family, Iceberg-san wants not to underestimate Frankie himself This hints at two things. One, that Frankie isn't some common thug, and two, that he and Iceberg are closer than you would expect or suspect. The Gates of Justice in Pelldown and Marinford are also mentioned in passing, foreshadowing the Summit War saga. Frankie's conversation with Kuroko has him being warned about a branch of Cyperpol so secretive that it existed in rumour and their possible involvement with Iceberg. It's also mentioned how strange it is that there's no sea train scheduled to arrive during the Laguna. It's later revealed that CP9 planned to make it their getaway. Paula and Lulu express suspicion and hostility towards the world government agents that keep harassing Iceberg, while Luce and Cuckoo try to dismiss the concerns and warn against the antagonising world government. Usopp and Frankie talk about the going merry and it establishes that the ship is alive, some extent and capable of moving and acting on its own it sails itself to rescue the straw hats at the conclusion of the following arc so we see that connection of those two scenes where it feels like frankie really talks about the spirit and we see that really come to life like i mentioned and we also see that connection between one scene and the next with iceberg the next one is really small and i did not notice this at all but is after being forced to give money back and whacked upon the head, poorly ropes Luce and swings him in an attempt to throw him to the ground. Luce manages to break the fall, landing perfectly on one hand with his fingers dipped into the cement, or digging into cement. It's later revealed that Luce, a member of CP9, skilled in Rukushuki, I think I said that right, which includes the ability to strengthen muscles to protect from damage as well as reinforce their fingers for the shigan, which is finger pistol attacks. So we see that kind of there's a constant hidden training going on in the background for CP9. On the way to Ennis Lobby, Koroko is seen unstanding and chatting casually with the frog Yokozuna. And in the next arc, this she finally reveals that she's actually a mermaid from another land. Hence, where you can chat to more amphibious creatures, or aquatic creatures, essentially. So those are just some examples, and I'm sure there's so many more out there, but there's so much foreshadowing that kind of happens before and in between different areas of the scenes and arcs. There's so much foreshadowing, and I think if you look back, there's so much before we even arrive anywhere near Water 7 about, about the arcs. And I'm, I do not want to fall down that rabbit hole but I am very interested at the same time but I do have some trivia as well about Water 7 and Ennis Lobby and I guess trivia about the actual seasons themselves. So the Liguria the Plaza mentioned by Khalifa shares its name with the Harmonious Italian region and Water 7 was inspired by Italy where its gorgeous geography seemed to be inspired by the city of Venice obviously being the city of water itself in real life which is also waterlogged and has similar canals that people travel on, much like, I guess we don't use the uh, big, like, dinosaur-looking creatures, I forgot what they're called. We don't use those, we use, they use gondolas. But, hey-ho, it's the same, I guess. And has been similarly gradually sinking on the first floors of many old buildings and now underwater. That's a constant real-life threat in the real world that Venice is think sinking. But there are other references to Italy and Venice as well. So the masks that are worn by the citizens of Water 7 during the celebration could be inspired by the Venetian masks which are historic at this point. And hanging laundry between buildings is also a very common practice in Venice. Chronologically this is the last island in paradise that the Straw Hats visit that has a magnetic charge. And this is the first island that the Straw Hats visit twice. And the arc contains the first devil fruits to be eaten outside of flashbacks. So Kaku's Ushi Ushi no Mi, model giraffe, and cleaver's Awa Awa no Mi, they are the first devil fruits seen and consumed knowingly. So knowing they're eating a devil fruit, which is very interesting. Everyone else that we've seen so far either eats it in a flashback or has had the power for a while. In the last couple of episodes of Ennis Lobby in the kind of more Slower, softer arc stories. I guess you. We kind of learn about Teach as well. We learn a little bit how about his hunt about Devil Fruits as well, and about the books and stuff that are available about Devil Fruits. I think there's so much more that I want to say about Water Seven and Ennis Lobby. This has become my absolute favorite season, and I say that every time I finish a new season in One Piece, and it's just it's in such a powerful story such a powerful arc and so many characters we get introduced to so many characters and we remember so many characters from other arcs at this point and where we've come from from the journey of the start of One Piece and I don't think you can judge One Piece until you reach these both of these and you finish both of these and the themes are emotional they both have such a roller coaster of rides and there's comedy there's danger there's darkness and I think there's the darker themes of destroying islands, the hiding of information, the dark true nature, the government betrayal, this kind of stuff. It's so much darker than the other seasons. And not to say there aren't darker themes, there's more about race and things in the other seasons. But there's there's so much kind of in-your-face, kind of no-hiding darkness with brutality and the buster call and kind of no cares about human life and this kind of stuff there's so much blatant disregard by the world government that it's kind of shocking to kind of watch especially with how the marine uh treats robin and things like that that is just that made me gasp in multiple areas of the anime there's tons of action and emotion but it doesn't sacrifice world building and character building and the introduction of new characters that help give the world much more depth and much more meaning than ever there's a lot of episodes but I think that's what that's required to tell a story in such a cohesive and efficient and effective way and we get to know other areas of the world where we've been before a little bit more and we saw we see how the Straw Hats are using new technologies such as the dials I have mentioned and how Elbaf are connected and there's all these tiny connections in the world of One Piece that I think is so impressive for Oda to kind of put through and it's one of the most complex arcs of an anime I think I've ever watched and one that has helped further each character in the world and going forth into I think Thriller Bark is next I think there's so much to be taken forward from what they where they are now to where they're about to go I think it's this season alone that really truly converts people into being a absolute one piece cult member i guess i can't think of an actual fandom name but it converts it converts you i think this one you might have one piece on in the background for a little bit you might you know get might get hooked on some of the some of the other arcs but i think this one truly cements one piece as the goat of anime and i cannot say anything more than that it is the absolute goat of anime Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for checking this out. I really do appreciate every single listen, every follow, every download. It really does mean a lot. From one weeb to another, thank you so much. If you're wanting any anime merch, head over to my social media links. Head Find me on social media, find me on TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. And you'll see a link to my eBay shop where I have a bunch of anime-themed prints for you to check out with worldwide shipping. Please do leave a rating and a review on the podcast platform that you're listening on this to. It really does support the show. It only takes a few seconds and it's free. I cannot ask. If I ask one thing of you, I'd ask that. Please do leave a rating and a review. Even if it's not great, please let me know. You know, it's even a bad one. Well, bad press is always... what? No, what's the saying? Any press is good press, I guess. Oh, that rhymed. So, so... A rating and review would be great. It really does support the show, so thank you so, so much for whatever Ruvikanda review you do leave. If you're a mega fan of anime, then why not check out my brand new Patreon monthly subscription club? There are three tiers of membership, Chibi Fan, Chibi Super Fan, and Chibi Mega Fan, with each tier being better than the last. Each month, for one cost, you'll receive free prints, free downloads and much much more including exclusive behind the scenes videos, photos and more of how I create my prints and anime themed artwork. If you'd like to receive exclusive updates and anime themed goodies every single month delivered straight to you then why not check out my Patreon. The link's down below. I'm sure you'll love being a part of the Chibit Weeb fan club. Sometimes finding a birthday card or an occasion card can be a boring task. However, I have some anime-themed cards on my thoughtful.co.uk creator profile, which is found in my links on social media. Over on Thoughtful, you'll find a bunch of anime-themed cards such as studio ghibli happy birthday cards and more with my range being updated regularly each card is processed by thoughtful.co.uk with shipping being fast quick and efficient you can shop my anime themed cards over on my instagram with my links being over on there search chibi anime and you'll find me thank you so much for listening thank you so much for checking out the podcast it really does mean a lot please do leave a rating and a review down below. It really does support the show and it's free to do. I'll see you next time. I'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. If you're a subscriber or if you're thinking of subscribing or starting the free trial on Apple Podcasts, I'll see you on Sunday for the next episode of the Chibi Peace exclusive Apple Podcast exclusive episode on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.